Welcome to Talk of the Town. The show is a collaboration between the City of Winter Park, the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and Rollins College, and each show provides useful information and a transparent look into the happenings here in Winter Park. I'm Sam Stark, Vice President at Rollins, and I am pleased to serve as host of the show. It's great to have co-hosts Betsy Gardner-Eckbert, CEO of the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and Mayor Phil Anderson, uh, Mayor of our great City of Winter Park. Team, great to have you back in the booth, and uh, welcome to another edition of Talk of the Town. Picturesque fall day on Rollins <laughs> campus today. <laughs> sweater right. weather, we love it. We are doing good work here in Winter Park. Yeah, we get the sweater out for at least one or two days. <laughs> fall will be scheduled for three whole days or something yeah, like that. That's this right, year. and yeah. we'll get that heat back. Well, uh, a lot going on here, um, a lot to talk about. Um, we'll, we'll, we're going to look back just for a moment because one of our uh, signature community events just took place, uh, the Winter Park Autumn Art Festival. Uh, Betsy, how, how did that go? So we've got feedback from our community that's the best one we've ever had, which is perfect because it was the 50th anniversary. Nice. As you know, that began as a collaboration between Crayalde and Rollins and the Chamber. The Chamber now operates it. Um, we still have a collaboration with Crayalde for the Children's Art Tent. But I just think the overall quality of the art has elevated over the past six or so years. And it's just become a really big source of pride for the community in terms of celebrating Florida artists. One of the things we focused on this year when we connected to the artists was really looking at them as micro entrepreneurs unto themselves. They're there to sell art. And we want to make an environment where this is a place that people who want to be successful in presenting art to our community have the opportunity to do that qualitatively and commercially so we heard from our artists that they had um, the biggest commercial success they'd ever had and we're really happy about that um, we just think the quality of the work was terrific I got to meet all the winners which was really fun and then this is going to date me but my word did I love the band Sweet Fleet which was a Fleetwood Mac tribute band right. that was a new addition to our entertainment lineup and they're actually all 20 somethings from um, southwest florida so i don't know who's responsible on our committee for making that first point of contact but you know we have this dedicated committee that works all year to put that on um, they've just done such a fantastic job led by our past chair paul twyford and our current chair uh, laura cosgrove they just did an incredible job invigorating a team of volunteers and and getting you know florida's own um, juried art festival uh, and we're all Florida artists and we're the only festival to do that so it was just a picture perfect weekend our parks and rec team just goes above and beyond in the mm -hmm. city thank you mayor um, our public safety people I mean it was just a huge point of pride for our community and we're so grateful to everyone who enabled the success of that yeah it's a great community event and it got you know just another opportunity to showcase the uh, Central Park stage for, for the band and others. Right. Thanks to your leadership to get that sort of uh, yeah, re-energized. I think the other part is that it's just really part of a formula that works for Winter Park. Yeah. I mean, the chamber has taken a lead role in demonstrating how, how important the arts are by lobbying up in Tallahassee for funding of all sorts. You know, Rollins as, you know, the the leading liberal arts college here in uh, Florida is in the process of of going forward with building a brand new art museum yeah. you know you look at all of the art related things that happen in Winter Park um, 
you know, the other thing is we're putting it down uh, statistically. We, you know, Betsy is a part of our Economic Development Advisory Board. Right. And we started an initiative a couple of years ago about measuring the traffic patterns on these peak, you know, these peak things. And the amount of traffic that comes out to these art events is huge. So it's a big deal for Winter Park. It's a big deal for Rollins. It's a yeah. big deal for the Chamber. So thank yeah. you very much for the sponsorship. Thank yeah. you. So the public safety people predict about 250,000 people cycle through the art festival, Amazing. our festival, in the fall uh, uh, every year. You know, we have a scorecard on our website, the Winter Park Prosperity Scorecard, where we measure the contributions of different industries to our local economy. And you've heard me say this before, but our local economy is a whopping $4 billion economy. We're only nine square miles, but we we so much punch above our weight, right? And so what's really interesting is that 18% of that economy uh, is driven by arts activity. So it is actually a business driver in this community. And, and we love, um, because our mission is to really promote community and encourage you know business success. So so to be able to do those things together in something that aligns so completely with one of our stated community values really matters to us and, and gives us a, a great deal of satisfaction. You know, it's the 50th anniversary of the festival and the 100th anniversary of the chamber. So it was a particularly mm-hmm. meaningful experience yes. this year. Very, uh, very, very fun and, um, and great work by, by all. So uh, well, well done to the city and the chamber. Um, another sort of best of is, is coming up. We talk about the, you know, our, our best of our art uh, community. Uh, the chamber hosts the best of Winter Park. And these are some great community and business awards uh, that, uh, that you all um, offer to the community. Talk a little bit about uh, about that program, Betsy. Well, it's so funny because sometimes the obvious is the <laughs> hardest thing to seize upon. <laughs> right. And this best of competition used to be called the Ovations. And nobody really knew what that meant. <laughs> so so we, we said, you know, why don't we call this what it is, the best of Winter Park? So we, we changed the name to it. We changed a whole bunch of features to it. it it's, a, it's an experience that was heavily disrupted by COVID. We had it in a different location every year for three years. It was just real hard to, to carry this on. But I'm so proud of the youngest member of our team, Addison Kersey, who's an MBA graduate and undergraduate right. theater major here at Rollins, who came to me, if you can imagine, at the age of 23, going to the CEO of your organization and saying, I have an idea that I'd like you to fund with non-budgeted funds. And she <laughs> came to me and she said, I'd like to use the software <clears throat> technology for these types of competitions called SceneThink. And it's going to cost X amount of dollars to, to bring that on. But I think it's going to help us with the integrity of the competition. And it's going to help us compile the votes better and be more effective at this. Well, to her credit, um, in our first year, we had 37,000 votes cast for Best of Winter Park, right? That was an amazing, it was a huge uptick. It almost doubled what we did the year before. And it led to the chamber being able to convert a lot of those votes into engaged people with the chamber. So it was a huge success for us. Well, this year, just to frame where we are, as of Monday, we had 72,000 votes cast with five more days to go, right? So we have two more days of this week to vote. Uh, So we have a huge amount of engagement in this competition. People have really started to put their window cling on their door to say we're the best of Winter Park for 2022. It's gotten super competitive, and people are really into generating all these votes, which we're delighted to see. So this year, because it's our 100th anniversary, our board asked us to do something special. 
And the reason why is we were overwhelmed by the support we received from this community when we went to compete on the national stage for the Chamber of the Year Award through our trade association. We absolutely had no way of predicting how much support we were going to receive from this community and were humbled by it. So the board directed me, Betsy, can we do something to give back to the community? We would like to have a headliner concert attached to Best of Winter Park. Make that happen. Well, I had about an eight-week turnaround time to make that happen. So we're so grateful, of course, to the magic of Full Sail, who connected us with an L.A. talent agent, who's actually enabled us to have a free concert with headliner band Boys Like Girls. Now, let me frame this for you because I'm outside of the target demographic for this <laughs> band. But they've had over a billion streams on Spotify. They're a platinum-selling uh, art group. And here's, here's where it really gets your attention. They've recorded a single with none other than Taylor Swift. You know. So we're really excited that they're going to be on the Central Park stage live uh, November 2nd. So we'll announce the winners of Best of Winter Park, and then we're hosting the community for this concert with a headliner band. They've been on tour all this year, and if you look at their tour dates, it's like Nashville, Charlotte, Raleigh, Winter Park. So we're really excited <laughs> about, about them coming to town. We think it's going to be a great way to bring the community together to say thank you and to really kind of bring everyone together around what's what truly is best at Winter Park. That's fantastic. Well, keep an eye on winterpark.org, right, to, uh, to, to go vote now. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, if you can't make the events uh, and see the announcements live, you can you can keep track of all of those. So very cool. Good luck, and uh, thanks for, for hosting that. So we're going to get into some meaty topics. Uh, lots uh. going on here in our community, as always. Um, you know, nothing quite as fun uh, as parking. Um, Chamber hosted Come a on, great Sam, event. Come on, Sam. That is some real sexy material some right sexy there. Material. It's important, we know. Chamber hosted a great event. The mayor, you, you, you've been talking about it for years and years, as the, the city has. Um, maybe... Betsy, share a little bit about the, the, the special guests that the chamber brought in and sort of the dialogue that, that he inspired. And then, Mayor, will you know, sort sure. of look to you a little bit as to maybe w- what the city took out of it, where, where we're going to go in that, in that regard. Well, first of all, I want to say how fortunate that we are, that we brought in a piece of thought leadership on how we use land, how we, how we behave as a city. What do we do about the fact that, unlike like many other cities around the country and the world, we're experiencing a crisis of housing affordability. And so the mayor, I'm grateful to, uh, has been a fantastic thought partner in looking at some of the ways we can ease some of this strain. Um, So we brought in Henry Grabar, who is a fellow this year at the Harvard uh, School of Design, and he has expertise in land use and has written a book called Paved Paradise that talks about the ways uh, parking codes have unintended consequences for housing inventories and the way people use commercial spaces, um, and that there's a lot of anachronisms in parking codes that just, quite frankly, either don't align with how we use transportation now or just don't make sense. So a great example of that is our own code, which says, you know, sort of a barbershop has to have so many spaces per square feet and a a furniture store has to have this many. And when you ask a city planner, hey, what is the use that's going on there that actually drives the difference in the prescription of parking spaces? Nobody really knows. And so we wanted to look at the ways where we could present to the city commission, here's where we could start 
to look at ways to ease some of these burdens. We know they've got a big job. You don't take something like housing affordability and say, go, right? We got to actually be a partner with the city. So, you know, we thought, let's bring in someone who's got expertise and let's start this conversation. I want to brag for a minute here. We got four city commissioners, including the mayor, to a dinner on Thursday night with this expert <laughs> in their own time. Now, basically, I know they technically get well, this paid. Is a, this is a big, fun topic I for know. people that sexy. choose to get We're calling into it sexy, policy Phil, walk stuff. Right? So. <laughs> so, but, I mean, essentially, our city leaders are volunteers. And that they came out in the evening and then came back, all of them, with city management the planning team the next day to learn even more meant an awful lot to us. And we, we thank them for being in partnership with us on this thought leadership. You know, the reality is that last week, as a result of this piece of thought leadership and contemplation around the role of parking, we asked the city commission to consider removing parking minimums. Now that sounds like a kind of a nerdy thing, but the reality with parking minimums is that a developer could bring a proposal to the city for a way to reuse land in Winter Park that could create more commercial spaces or housing inventory. And the reality is that the parking is so over-prescriptive that oftentimes a developer will say, no, I'm not even going to go through the six-figure due diligence to bring that to the commission because I can't get it parked. So if we removed minimums, which means the minimum requirement of spaces you have to put in there, Um, We might see an uptick in inventories of things that are contextually relevant to Winter Park. We're talking about clusters of small units like townhomes. Um, If you built, you know, townhomes here, you have to excessively park it. You've got to have almost three spaces per townhome when the reality is there might only be two drivers or one car living there. There's this heavy burden to overprescribe parking. So when we remove minimums, we allow the market to speak on that. It's not in a developer's interest to underpark something and have their their end user upset with the landforms that they created. But we would love to see that kind of heavy burden that really stops the due diligence process from coming to the, you know, I know last summer we had, you know, a our park planning and zoning commission hearings, some of which were canceled because we didn't have any projects coming forward. So if we we would love to see what we call tri-sector leadership on trying to solve some of our our housing crisis and commercial real estate issues because you know there is a role for the independent sector to play and we're clear about that role. We're in the independent sector as a nonprofit. We should say, here's the problem, here's some resources, here's some thought leadership. The government can then come to the table to ease some of these burdens that are keeping the capital markets from stepping up. And that's the third sector, the private sector that can come and stimulate some of the solutions in this area. So we love this idea of everyone working together in their area of expertise to address this. And again, super grateful to uh, the city government team who you know really thought partnered with us on all of this. So heavy topic, and again, the city, well, I, you've talked about this for a long time. No, Where I think this go? is a really critical thing, and it's frankly really, really timely. Yeah. You know, we are, you know, I don't know where we're going to end up with all of this, but the fact that the, that the topic has been laid out and then clearly identified as how it affects, you know, supply of housing, I think has been a great tribute to the, to the uh, chamber. You know, I think one of the things that's already taking place is we've scheduled a work session to dig deeper. Um, one of the topics that I feel strongly about, you know, the chamber identified during COVID, we talked about the economic contribution to the city. 
But, you know, you have financial services, wealth advisors, and professional services firms that are the number one and number three economic impact to Winter Park. And they don't need the kind of parking that perhaps we prescribe, right? And so, you know, I've felt that way for a while. We're going to be examining that. You know, how do you build on the success of what Winter Park already does well? And parking is a part of it. The other part is, you know, our mission at the commission is often to preserve the charm of the community. And charm translates into a lot of different things, but over-parking does not contribute to charm, right? <laughs> so what can we do? Uh, you know, as a, uh, as a real estate person, I believe that you do try to build to the market. Uh, but that, this will be part of the discussion, you know, what, where do you rely on the market versus where do you rely on standards? And, uh, but I think it's a very timely thing. And it also trickles into budgets. Right. You know, we have something called the Community Redevelopment Authority, the CRA. And this is the area that goes from Park Avenue all the way out to Lake Killarney, right. you know, basically. Not exactly, but close. Uh, and what it does is it creates tax increment financing to do things. Well, we've been carrying a $7 million line item in our CRA budget for 20 years <laughs> to build parking. And that's not even enough if you really were going to build a parking garage. So what we're doing instead is we're saying we've allocated $700,000 in our Smart Cities program to really look at, you know, a lot of times it's not parking, it, we're short of parking, it's that no one knows where the parking is. Correct. And if you know that on the third floor of the SunTrust building there's parking available, you don't have to build another building. Right. And, and so I think all of this sort of factors in. It's a very timely thing. Um, you know, it, it has budget ramifications, has charm ramifications, and it has supply of, of housing and other things ramifications. So I applaud the chamber for putting it on it. I will tell you that it was amazing to see all five, well, four of us, in dinner, a dinner, listening to a guy who had authored a book on parking. <laughs> and it was and, actually uh, interesting. <laughs> and it was an interesting discussion. But uh, but it does affect everything that we do. And, um, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in Winter Park being one of the original transit-oriented development communities uh, going back to the 1880s. You know, wow. that's what Winter Park was. And um, so I think it's timely. You know, the other rat piece of this is we are in the process of, um, of adopting our, uh, our comprehensive growth plan. We do that every seven years or more frequently if required. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're going to be tackling some of these things as we adopt that. Where but does it go from here? And, you know, I know there's multiple layers to, to code and parking and sort of economic impact changes like this. Um, What's what sort of happens first? Maybe mayor, if we'll start with you from a from a city and code and policy perspective. Well, what the table's been set. Yeah, the table was set by the chamber to make this a bigger discussion and to look at all the things that we are we are talking about. And now it goes into a work session at the city with the city commission and planning and zoning. And it's also going to end up coming through both the comp plan and ultimately probably through zoning code changes. Um, but, uh, you know, the other word we use is diversity. You know, when you have mixed housing types, you don't need as much parking. 
And right. so, you know, you don't have to go 2 plus 2 plus 2 equals 6. You can go, well, 2 that you need at midnight versus the 2 that you need at noon versus the 1 that you need at 5 o'clock for the restaurant. Right. It doesn't all add up to, to 6. You yeah. can do it with 4. You know, so there's synergies there. And, and looking at that and more intentionally, I think, is a great idea. That's great. So. Well, first I want to say we thought it was going to take a lot more to get a work session than this. <laughs> so we're really excited that the commission came right out of the chute and said work session, you know, right away. That kind right. of blew our doors off, and we're grateful for that. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that the chamber has anchored into as we look to now start our next 100 years are two key values. One is inclusivity and one is sustainability. And if we can create more inclusive land use forms to welcome younger, more diverse people to our community, the chamber is excited about that. Of course, they have to be contextually specific. We're not interested in, you know, uh, canyonizing Fairbanks or having high-rise condos. That's not something we want to do. But even if we could ease up on some of these smaller, denser land uses, like more townhomes, so that younger people might be able to get uh, a place on the property ladder in Winter Park would mean something to the chamber. I think also when we think about uh, the other value of sustainability, we have key alignment with this commission on valuing sustainability. And one of the things that Henry pointed out in his discussion was that asphalt is one of the key bad actors in our environmental crisis. Mm -hmm. It presents, it, it causes 20% of greenhouse gas emissions. Well, that's frustrating when we think about the fact that the parking garage behind the Bank of America building on Park Avenue is often two-thirds empty. Yeah. When we could furnish that as a parking supply for any kind of new projects in the central business district, but we can't based on our current code. So to be able to put some flexibility in the way we use inventories to create a double or triple bottom line benefit that promotes a more inclusive city, that promotes a more sustainable approach to land use, and helps ease some of our, our key problem areas, we think makes sense. And so it's very exciting to have um, partnership with the commission on this as soon as we have had, and we're looking forward to the workshop and to supporting in ways that we can. That's great. Any other final thoughts on parking? Uh, and, and maybe, well, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you answer that. If no, I, th I, I think we, we talk about parking, but just to put it in context, yep. if you were to build a 20,000-square-foot office building, you would need about 20,000 square feet of parking. So when you talk about charm and the impact, it's like, um, well, you know, that's just the way the math works. But maybe there are ways to mitigate some of that. And, and so I think there's, it just goes into so many different areas, you know, budget, charm, um, you know, diverse, a more diverse offering. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a little, there's going to be a lot of work in this, but I think we're going to see some changes that will help. I think one of the questions we asked in the lead up to Henry's arrival on a survey was, did you know that Winter Park was originally platted as a mixed-use shared parking destination? 80% of our respondents said, no, they didn't know that. So to really create shared parking assets would be a return to our original DNA for what was built in the Park Avenue community, which was the most identifiable and remains the most identifiable 
land use in Winter Park. So it would be a return to something that we think is more us than what we've got now. Henry framed what the mayor was talking about by saying, if you had to park the Empire State Building by today's parking codes, you'd have to build 12 (laughs) blocks of parking in Manhattan to do that. And so that's the kind of ridiculousness of of what happened in kind of the 70s, 50s to 70s when people were writing these codes because they thought we're going to miss out on commercial opportunities if we don't have enough parking. So let's pick uh, the day before Christmas as the day that we've got to have parked everything and plan that as the worst case scenario when in fact there's seldomly those amount of days when all that parking is used. And so we really need to be, as the mayor said, more aligned with the scale and character of our community. And we think this is a great opportunity. You know, uh, I don't need to tell you, you've both been talking about parking in many ways. Our community has, Phil, you, you know, you on, on multiple levels, Betsy, you, you know. Um, and it's it's amazing that it that there actually appears to be progress. And, and so, you, you know, you two deserve so much credit for that because... It helps to have a commercial real estate guy in the mayor's hurt. seat. It really <laughs> does help. It doesn't hurt, right. Well, that's so civil good. Civil engineer, too. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Well don't done. Cross, don't drive over any bridge I designed, but... Keep it going. Thanks. And uh, eager to continue this discussion and sort of see what uh, what sort of the short term incremental and then the long term, you know, really macro benefits uh, that, that we end up evaluating and changing. Um, CRA, anything else on the CRA? There's, you know, um, any other? Well, actually, uh, you know, the CRA has been this engine to drive, you know, renovation and support of of uh, really all the efforts west of uh, west of Park Avenue. And uh, this year, there's two things going on. Number one is, now that the library has been relocated within the CRA, it allows us to put program dollars into what the library is already doing so well. And uh, they have actually become, in some ways, a mini incubator. They've had Mm -hmm. thousands of meetings with startup folks that have been using the library facility, and yet they haven't had the budget to operate on Sundays. And so, you know, that affects a lot of things. But what we have recently done in this year's budget, in the CRA budget, is allocate some funds so that they can open up on Sunday and continue to support all these really innovative things they do. You know, it's a place where you can go and you can build a 3D model. It's a place where you can go, you can record a music video. It's, and, and the people it serves has been amazing. The number of people that have taken out library cards from the residents has gone up, I think, 40 or 50 percent, maybe even more. And so it's been very, very successful in its current location, and we're recognizing that by enhancing their operation. And they're really going to go forward trying to make it one of the best library facilities in the entire state, which it frankly already is. Yeah, that's fantastic. The other big thing is because it's such a machine, we're in discussion with Orange County about two things changing the boundary and changing the timeline. And this is something that we're going to be working with the chamber on getting their support to lobby for that change so that we can continue to make that investment. Um, and it's a, it's a big deal. We're trying to get it extended so we can finally cover Fairbanks and uh, have funds available to make changes that you need to see Fairbanks, you know, evolve in a way that we want. Right. Um, and, you know, we may expand the boundaries in some other areas. It's going to have a huge impact on our existing housing stock. We're going to keep as much of the affordable housing as we have. We're going to keep it fresh. 
And so we're really excited about that. That's fantastic. Yep. Um, you mentioned the library, so of course I'm going to ask, you know, the old library, any, any progress updates on that site? Well, we're in our quiet period. Okay. We're expecting quiet. proposals coming in right. in uh, November. And, uh, you know, I think we'll, ex we'll see what those Here come, we go. come yeah. back and, and say. All right. Sounds good. Um, you know, since we're on the topic of such uh, sexy city topics, the comp plan, always something uh, <laughs> to, uh, to learn a little bit more about. What's the latest and uh, what kind of workshops are being done in that? So that? we've had a couple of workshops, planning and zoning department. The planning and zoning board has looked at it. So the comprehensive growth plan is really the policy framework for what we would like to see the growth look like, at least over the next seven years. Um, one of the things that's interesting is we, in our workshop, we're, and we'll be considering it when we have our first vote on it in about two weeks, So, um, is, you know, what do we want to do with accessory dwelling units and where? And so we're asking to study that, not approve them, not bring them to fruition, but at least look at that as one option and uh, to kind of go to, you know, it's so funny, you know, we're very active in the historic association and when you talk to Rollins graduates that may have graduated 50 years ago many of them lived in accessory dwelling units in some of the older homes in Winter Park now as right. things have changed those have uh, have disappeared yes but you know when you look at the historic perspective of Winter Park and how it grew up particularly with Rollins you know there are a lot of different kinds of housing that just don't don't exist right now so we're going to look at that I don't know where we're going to end up, but right. we're going to be looking at it. Very good. Well, I'm going to share two interesting and exciting projects that we have um, that are coming forward, and that the city will, um, uh, city residents will, will all will learn about very soon. Uh, Mayor, I think you know about both of these. Betsy, maybe maybe one, but one is our Holt Hall, which is a current residential dorm on campus that's kind of close to end of life, uh, mm -hmm. seventy beds and. Um, we're going to be um, asking for approval to knock that down and, and build a new sort of village, if you will, a residential complex for our students and, and increase it to about maybe 200 beds, maybe a little bit more. It's not about getting bigger. It's about being able to offer our students the chance to live on campus and live in community because that's really the Rollins value And to live lakeside, let's be honest. And okay? it is lakeside, <laughs> just FYI. So it's an exciting project. Uh, we're working on the on the citywide notice, and um, uh, again, it'll it'll help uh, allow more students to, to live on campus and in a variety of different. This will be the first time we've really ever done it in a, in a variety of different uh, room sizes, right? Like as people get older and, and have different wants and needs, some might want a single, some might want a double, some might want a triple, some might want a quad, and so we'll have some different offerings there, uh, which I think will be fa fairly uh, interesting. And um, just a real added benefit for our community because we, we want and need our students on campus being a part of, of the Rollins community. So that's coming. And then we also have a faculty and staff housing project that, uh, that we're um, contemplating and, and looking to bring forward. Rollins, by all metrics, is, is at perhaps our best place in time. And the, cha the biggest challenge we probably have is recruiting um, new faculty staff because of the affordable housing that, that you've talked about so much, Betsy. And um, we have some, some property that we're looking to, to develop that'll allow us to recruit uh, some of the best of the best and to be able to sort of have them in a, a starter units, if you will, 
just so that they can start there. The college will own it. It'll never be for students. I just feel like I'm always obligated to say that when we talk about being a little bit off campus. But um, two really exciting projects that just help our uh, college continue to deliver on our uh, on our mission. So stay tuned and uh, be, be on the lookout for both of those. I mean, we're kind of at the end here. Um, is it too late to talk you out of running again for mayor? That <laughs> <laughs> We have an election you know, coming up. We, we have uh, great people that are looking to take over and uh, run in March, and so I'm fully supportive. Are you uh, saying you have something better to do on Wednesday <laughs> afternoons? No, I, th- and I have, this has been an amazing journey, and I have loved every minute of it. Well, maybe not every minute. Not every minute. Most, <laughs> most <laughs> minutes. Um, but... Uh, but, you know, I think that grassroots politics is something that should be shared. And so I'd, I'd love or to Or endured. <laughs> Both. But, Both. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of the work that this commission has done. And, uh, you know, I think we'll make a lasting impact. Indeed. Well, we'll talk more about it. And certainly we'll at some point have to sort of uh, embarrass you in some way to thank you for your uh, long service. Uh, Something to look forward to. In our community. Yes, that's right. You might be sick on a third Wednesday uh, mm-hmm. c- coming up. Um, any final parting words uh, from both of you? No, just it's a great time to be in Winter Park. We're uh, about to kick off so many outdoor things what, with uh, Best Winter Park and then uh, the holiday events coming up. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Indeed. So we are hoping people will get down to the Central Business District to Winter Park Village, which has had a facelift, yeah. and um, you know Orange Avenue, Aloma Corners, all of the wonderful places to spend time and money in Winter Park. We'd there love to have you. Keep an eye on winterpark.org for all of that exciting uh, activity. Cityofwinterpark.org for city stuff. Uh, Mayor, any any last uh, words of wisdom? No, it's just a great season. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a wonderful place. It, indeed, it is. Well, um, thanks for another great uh, edition of Talk of the Town. Join us again on November 15th, uh, third Wednesday of, uh, of each month at 9 a.m. And, of course, next Wednesday and almost all Wednesdays, we're uh, on here at 9 a.m. for uh, Rollins Around Town. So on behalf of Mayor Anderson, Betsy Gardner-Eckbert, we're super glad you turned in, uh, tuned, tuned in. I want to thank Madison for allowing us to actually be on air She's uh, one of our fantastic uh, students who helps uh, this show uh, function and, uh, and sort of stay alive. So thanks, Madison, for everything. Be sure to follow our podcast and uh, feel free to share it with friends, neighbors, and colleagues. Uh, with that, uh, we wish you a great day here in Winter Park. Thanks. <laughs>